Hello, folks. Danny Boy Reginald in the house. I have my friends, Bill Murphy here. I have my friend, Christine, the Contatory here as well. This is a, a special one because um, over the summer, we interviewed this man. He is a friend of mine, and uh, he was starting a, a charity uh, to help bring low-income families to ball games. The idea is to bring family together, to bring community together, and uh, just uh, have the time in their lives and make, create such great memories. And today, he's back with us uh, to provide updates on how this whole process has been going on so far. So let's bring him in. Daniel Ahrens. Welcome back on the show, buddy. Thank you. I'm excited to be back on. Welcome back, Dan. You and your audience and share just what family ballpark memories has been up to the last few months. We've worked on a bunch of cool things and I'm excited to just get a little more information out there. It's great to have you back. Um, just so you know, I, I've also entered the board of Family Ballpark Memories, uh, requested by the Daniel Aaron's here. So it's it's been a it's been quite a ride getting to know the process of what's been going on, and you know it's a uh, it's such an amazing amazing thing that you're doing here. So given uh, more of a rundown for those that you know don't know or anything. So Family Ballpark Memories is a 501c3 nonprofit. Oh, there you go. Boom. 501c3. Remember that. So we work to create an environment of diversity and inclusion within the world of sports. Our primary objective is to help members of the low-income community just have more access to professional sporting events, whether it be going to a game as a family or providing them access to see their favorite teams, their favorite players, and provide them all the tools necessary for an authentic fan experience. Over the last few months, we've sponsored over 25 jersey giveaways. So during the holiday seasons, we had kids apply to get jerseys from our organization. So families that might not have been able to afford a Christmas or holiday present, we were able to send them brand new jerseys of their favorite players. And it was a really cool initiative to see so many smiling faces and see how sports can bring people together. And recently we sent our first family to a game. We sent a family of four to see the Knicks about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, to see the Sacramento Kings. That was really cool and it was an awesome experience and it's nice to see fans back in the stands just smiling and cheering on their favorite teams yeah i know the pandemic unfortunately just gummed up everything like you know no fans allowed anywhere you know in the especially in the new york city tri-state area um but you know was it a good feeling knowing that you finally were able to do the thing that you wanted and send a family to a game to see their favorite team play? It was an awesome feeling. That's what the organization was started for, just to create an outlet for family to go watch their favorite team play and forget about what's going on in the world. So just getting the chance to send a family of four to Madison Square Garden. They've never been there before. They've never been to a sporting event. So getting to provide them that first experience to go and see the Knicks, to go and cheer for Julius Randle, who's having an MVP type season, to just be there in person. It was just an awesome experience. So I hope to be able to do more of that and just 
make sure every family can see their favorite teams and not be economically excluded. Exactly. Especially if a team's doing very well, because, you know, nothing, obviously if the team's not doing very well and you send to a game, like it doesn't matter. You're, you're still going to have fun at the ballpark or at the arena, but still like when a team's doing well, it just gives a, a more incentive to go and a reason to, you know, have fun. Of course. And everybody wants the hot ticket, especially Nick fans. Nick fans have been for so much the last 20 years. I, I know, I know that feeling. For them to finally have a product worth cheering on, especially this year. Their city and the region as a whole have been through so much. Just seeing how everybody's getting behind the Knickerbockers, it's really bringing people together. And it's nice to see, even if I myself am not a Knicks fan, so much of New York is. And doing our part as an organization to get fans in the stands to cheer them on was cool. Hi, Dan. It's a good thing I didn't scare you away yet. Um <laughs> That didn't scare you away the first time. But anyway, um, first of all, I think what you were doing is um, great, especially with the um, Knicks. Now that baseball season's upon us, it's coming, folks. It's coming, and we should rejoice. Um, have you gotten, like, any requests for, like, the Yankees or the Mets yet? So for baseball season, we're planning on taking a family of four to see the Mets play the Marlins on April 8th. We're still waiting to hear from the state and to hear from the Yankees and the Max just how many families and how many fans they're allowing into ballparks. So the way baseball's working right now is they're still selling their tickets under the assumption that they'll be at 100% capacity, even though they won't be. So it's kind of hard to know ahead of time just how many tickets will be available. But we're prepared once baseball starts to send at least 50 fans a month to different games. It's something that we're hoping to do. And something that if COVID allows and the restrictions aren't overly strict, we're confident that we'll hit that goal. Because I think in New York, I think starting April 2nd, the capacity for um, like stadiums and arenas is going to be like 33%. I want to say that's that's what it is. So is that how... Um, so I, I was going to ask a question, but I think you just answered. I was going to ask how do capacity limits um, affect you guys, but I think you pretty much just answered that. Um, it's hard with the capacity limits. The way the NBA and the NHL is doing it, they're only selling tickets for what they can allow in. Baseball's operating under the, under the mindset will sell you a ticket, but if you can't use it on the date where the ticket's for we'll hold your money and we'll give you a voucher for later in the year. So baseball's just trying to sell as many tickets as possible and worry about fulfilling it on a later date. So are these tickets from like private donations or are they from the team? So we get tickets in a few different avenues. Some tickets we just purchase for our budget. Some tickets people donate where they have tickets they're not able to use. And then as teams are able to open up to more and more people teams have expressed interest in donating at that point some teams have even said to us we have a relationship with the brooklyn next they'd love to support us right now but you can only let in so few people it's hard to make room for a charitable request 
Yeah, I know um, for an organization like yours that's, you know, doing the best can to, you know, try to get the families out to these games, but also trying to follow the rules. And again, like I said, the pandemic has really made it so hard for fans. But, you know, the hope is that, you know, they get that chance. And, uh, of course, you know, uh, the if you're able to get that family to a Met game, that'll be awesome because the Mets are looking good too as well. So you said in the beginning, and I was like really excited about it because um, when you first when we first were here, the company, the organization was not a 501c3. It now is. Uh, and th- that means you can get donations and, you know, all that jazz. How has that process been like? And it was a fairly quick process for y'all. So becoming a 501c3 is super important for a nonprofit. It means that you're a public charity. It means that if somebody makes a donation to you, it's tax exempt. It means that you're recognized by the IRS as someone who's in business for a charitable purpose. The process itself was relatively easy. We were able to apply online, mention what our cause was and all of that. We're in the business now of figuring out how we want to cultivate supporters, where we're going to look for grants, and how to create a whole audience of ambassadors for our cause. So that's our next big task. Now that we have all of our legal paperwork taken care of, our next goal is figuring out how we can create a sustainable cash flow and just get donations and grant dollars through the door. Now, have have there been donations like coming in? We've gotten some donations on our website. We have the Google ad grant, which Google offers to all nonprofits, which is $10,000 a month in free advertising revenue. So we use our Google ad a lot to just reach out to different people and different stakeholders. People who might not necessarily know about us, we're able to reach out to them through our Google ad. One of the amazing sites that I've seen from your social media, everything, all the emails that I get from you is seeing kids with jerseys. You know, growing up, like I wanted to get jerseys from my favorite players, you know, Jamal Crawford back in the day. I had a Gary Sheffield uh, Yankee jersey, which, you know, he's one of my favorite Yankees back in the day. It's also very important. If you're going to go to a game, you have to represent your team. So you've had several of those jersey giveaways, like, Just how is it seeing the joy on those kids knowing that they're getting the jerseys of favorite teams? And it's across the whole spectrum. You see LeBron jerseys, you see, you know, Steph Curry jerseys, and not just New York. And I know you've been trying to do that. So I've been mindful that every kid has a different favorite player. And for a lot of kids going to school when they're younger, it's a status symbol what shoes you're wearing, and what jersey you have as a little kid. So we wanted to make sure that every child that we worked with, we granted them their wish of their favorite player. So one child asked for a Luka Doncic jersey, and I thought that was a really cool ask. And then one kid asked for a Mookie Betts jersey. And it's just cool to see kids have so many different favorite players across all of the major leagues and across cities all throughout the country. It just goes to show the popularity of players and the impact they can have on the youth and the way they inspire them and empower them and the role models that they really become through people. What, what would you say was like the most popular player jersey? Probably LeBron. 
just because he's LeBron, but in terms of baseball, a lot of kids ask for Aaron Judge, which makes sense for local time. And then with the NFL, Mahomes is king, and so is Lamar Jackson. Any uh, hockey or no? People who know me know that I don't really recognize hockey as a sport. <laughs> I just want to issue an apology to our friends, Nate Moser and um, Mike Rifkin and Noah Trombley, and also our good friend, Ross Mason. Um, we, we apologize for Mr. Aaron's statement. So His view does not reflect ours. <laughs> So I tend to avoid hockey talk when I can, but if somebody would want hockey apparel or would want a McDavid or an Eiffel or a Crosby jersey, we would be happy to offer it. We just don't really have a strong tie to the NHL just yet. Now, I know you don't have it now, but is that something that you're willing to do in the future? I would love to work with the NHL. I would love to get fans to see hockey teams if it's something that they're interested in doing. I just have so much time on my own and I'm focused on building relationships with organizations and teams and leagues where I'm a little more comfortable with the vernacular and the ways the games are played and all of that. But as we continue to grow, we'd love to get a little more involved with hockey. Oh, especially if you're like, you know, New Jersey, you know, the devils, they're huge over in Jersey. So it's like fairly important that you include them too and stuff. So um, what has fundraising been like for you folks? Because I know uh, you had a fundraising event, I believe in December, November, one of those times. So fundraising is tricky. There's so many organizations that have noble causes and that people want to contribute money to Thankfully, we're able to raise money when we need to. We got great support from members of our board of directors. And we're coming up with creative strategies to raise money online. We're planning on putting together an online fundraiser at the end of this month, beginning of April, to coincide with the beginning of baseball season. Or we'll just share a little antidote about baseball and the memories you can make at a baseball game. And then just ask people to make a small contribution to help sponsor a family at a baseball game later this year. So that should be something we'll be putting a lot of effort into on social, on our website, and through our email list of over 3,000 subscribers. What made you start this and what was your most rewarding moment throughout this entire process? Part of the reason why I wanted to start this organization was just to share my passion and sports with those who are less fortunate. I, I grew up in an environment where I got to go to a lot of games and I got to see my favorite teams play. And I wanted to be able to share that with a group of people that might not have had those experiences. And it's just been rewarding to see the smiles on the faces, especially when we did our holiday jersey giveaway. A lot of the children who we gave jerseys to otherwise wouldn't have gotten a Christmas present or a holiday present. And knowing that we were the reason they got a present this holiday season is just super rewarding. Yeah, I, I get that because you, you want them to experience what you were fortunate enough to experience when you were growing up. Of course. Yeah, and again, it, it's one of those you know, great, things about you know just just life in general because i know um you had mentioned last time that you know it's very important that everyone has some time you know leisure and all that stuff and you know it's uh 
it's really cool that you're that you're still in the fight. You know, it's 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 hard it's hard to do. It's really hard to do, especially in those low income neighborhoods. I know um since you know we're all sports fans, well, we run a sports podcast, so we wouldn't if we weren't sports fans, but not everybody is one. Have you ever thought of um I know you guys are just starting out, but have you ever thought like in the future of maybe branching out? to do like more non-sports events, like maybe like Broadway or concerts or. So that actually is something that's on your radar as we continue to grow and just build relationships. Our goal is to provide access to experiences that people just might be excluded. It could even be as simple as going to a movie. A movie could be a hundred dollar outing now. My organization's goal is to make sure that people can spend time with their families, create memories, and not be financially excluded from participating in a leisure event. Yeah, you definitely want to get people to see Hamilton on Broadway. Oh, that is it. Is it still tough to get? Or tickets will be tough to get forever, and especially one Broadway still closed with no reopen date. I think for Hamilton they said like October. I think. Yeah, it's gonna be a while though, because like I I have a a cousin that's on Broadway, and you know he's still trying to get back. I don't even know he's gonna get back. So you know it's a it's a really tough time. You can always go watch the thing on Disney Plus for now. Yeah, I know. Um, when we first talked to you, you were a you were just three of you. It was uh, I'll repeat the names again. It was you, and then um. There was two volunteer interns. We had Kenny D'Amico and we had Greg Rapke. We've now grown to seven interns and volunteers working on a day-to-day basis, which is pretty cool to just give some college kids an opportunity to get experience working in a nonprofit setting, a social media setting, a marketing setting. It's been rewarding seeing them grow and learn and just have the help to, as we continue to make progress. So like, do interns like change like every semester or do you keep some, you know, for like a whole year? Our interns have been with us since September now. They're welcome to stay as long as they want to stay. I'm open to taking on interns for the summer class. I'm also cognizant that as a relatively new startup, we don't have as much to offer them as other internship opportunities might. So we wanna have a good balance and working relationship with our interns to make sure they get something out of the relationship also. If we take on too many people, we won't have enough work for everyone to do. How much research have these interns done? How much activities have they also done too to grow your organization and make it stronger for the better? The interns have been helpful. They've done a lot of research on funding opportunities, grant information. They've researched different media opportunities for us to participate in. They've helped us with social media. A lot of the graphics that we produce, they've created. So they've gotten hands-on experience. We have one of them focusing solely on just finding contacts to different baseball teams, one's focusing on basketball teams. So there's a lot of opportunity for them to work independently and provide real valuable information to the organization. So starting out, 
just to get the word out there, you know, on Instagram and social media across the board, you had pictures of pictures after picture of just fans at ballparks, you know, with families and, you know, all that stuff, just talking about their experiences. You have now started a blog about yep. that. And um, it's a fairly good list of, you know, a lot of, you know, sports talk and you know, memories and all that stuff. But you recently wrote a blog about, you know, baseball coming back. And the thing that, you know, it's called, by the way, it's called Spring is in the Air. You can find it at familyballparkmemories.org. If you go into the media tab, you see the blogs. Um, you know, you're, you talk about hope. And I know that this has been a rough time for a lot of people nothing's going to be the same after this this public crisis ends, you know, with coronavirus and stuff, but you talk about hope and you, and you throw your love of baseball and sports in general with that, you know, I, and the thing that caught me the most, the one that caught my eye is the fresh start of renewing that you mentioned there, uh, having the chance to rebuild and, you know, Put last year aside, and I know that that's, and I know that's going to be tough for a lot of people. But why are you so hopeful about the future going on? And you know, not only for the organization, but for just for fans in general. You know, trying to, you know, continue to go out to the do games and make lifetime memories. Last year was hard, just across the spectrum. When you think about all of the tragedy and unnecessary pain associated in 2020 between COVID, between the racial unrest, between the madness around our 2020 election. It was just a tough year. And I'm just hopeful that we can start and see things improve. More and more vaccines are becoming available every single day. I got both my doses of the vaccine. I recommend anyone who's eligible can go, should go and get their vaccine. By that, we're moving closer to putting COVID in the rear view mirror. There were so many proactive conversations that took place last summer and last spring. And hopefully those conversations will lead to real change and make a difference on some of the unrest and unjustness that was going on in our country. Then there's just hope that we can go back to a way of normal life, whether it be as simple as going to see the Mexic City Field or going to see the Red Sox at Penway Park. It's just a hopeful feeling and having the chance of knowing that things coming soon is a sense of renewal and optimism. Do you believe that sports, even after the pandemic ends, whenever that will be, that it will still be the escape that we once knew it, it was really. Cause you know, when there was the disasters all across the board, you know, from Katrina, New Orleans and the saints winning the super bowl and, you know, just the saints coming back to new Orleans and stuff, you know, to nine 11 and the Yankees and the Mets the giants and jets doing their thing. Like, you know, can sports become that escape again? I hope so. I know there's going to be a lot of people who might not feel comfortable sitting out at a public setting with however many people at a game. You can have a lot of people that might just want to watch sports on TV, but I believe that we can use sports as a distraction 
we can use sports as a conversation starter. The NBA does such a great job of using its platform to enact the change that it wants to see in the world and it empowers its players to be voices for philanthropy, to be social agents. So I believe the way we use sports might change a little bit. There's always going to be that love affair between fans and their favorite teams and players. Have you been following the Yankees spring training so far? I mean, I know it's uh I have and in Florida it looks like COVID is not a thing and they're happy to sit out there without their mask on. But Florida's <laughs> own little world. Yeah, I mean, is that the dream though? Like you want to go maskless and it's going to be hard for a little. It's going to be hard, but you know, maskless, like that's, that's like a good sight, even though Florida needs to slow its roll a little bit. That's just my opinion. You know, I, I don't care whatever any of you think, but still like, that's the dream, right? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Cause um, I read something from the CDC today that, um, it said with gatherings, once you got your t- two doses for like, uh, it was either 10 days or two weeks. Like after that, you could, you could go into public gatherings without a mask. I think that's what it said, but. Well, they, they also said that you have to be around vaccinated people as well. Yeah. You can't, you can't just you know, be around anybody. Because to be honest, you know, once I get my vaccine, whenever that may be, um, I think for a while I'm still going to wear my mask. The thing with the mask wearing is it's comfort level. Should we have, should everyone wear a mask? Absolutely. But if we get rid of a mask mandate, we should be able to make smart decisions for ourselves. I'll wear my mask. I'll continue to wear my mask even though I'm vaccinated. If I see someone without a mask on, I'll keep my distance from them. But exporting events, it might be hard if people take their mask off. You don't know what they're doing or who they're with. So I could see people not being as comfortable at a game, and it's going to be a challenge. Hopefully the safety protocols keep people in check, and people don't have to worry about getting sick at the ballpark or at the arena. Because nobody goes there to get sick. They go there to have fun. Because um, here's the thing, and, and this has been on my mind for the past couple of weeks, and I want to get everyone's insight on this. Um, do you think maybe ballparks are letting fans in maybe a little too soon? If it can be done safely, I don't have an issue with it. The Super Bowl, which had 25,000 people, was deemed not to be a super spreader event. And everyone who watched the Super Bowl, I think the first thing they noticed is just how packed the stadium actually looked. And if that was able to be done safely, I support that. It's definitely in the back of some people's minds. And not everyone's going to be comfortable to go to a game. And that's important to go when you feel comfortable. Um, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, if you're being careless, seen in many videos and sad posts throughout social media, if it's done tastefully and people are doing what they need to do, wearing their mask and social distancing, I think it's okay. I mean, you got to get back to life, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, and I, and I mean, I'm on the same boat with pretty much everyone here. I don't know how you feel, Bill, but it's like, you know, it's one of those things where eventually there has to be a way where because being cooped up inside and watching games 
stinks. Like it, it, it really sucked having to watch the Yankees in an empty stadium play a season, 50 games, but play a season and into the playoffs too. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm, I, that, that was just rough to watch. So eventually, you know, fans safely, you know, whatever measures they have to do, the coordination with the league and local authorities, local governments and stuff. If it's, it can be done. Let's get it done here because not only do the fans deserve it, the players deserve it too. The players deserve to have people root for them right in their right in the same place. I, I'm tired of the fake crowd noise. That, that is, that's another thing that that really oh God, annoyed me. Was the- yeah, that is like my worst enemy, like Reg could tell you. Oh my God. Or 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 Fox trying to do put those fake people inside oh. the, the seats yeah, like, it's so creepy so creepy it's like uh, it's like that south park episode with guitar hero from like a million <laughs> years ago the virtual crowd is doing you piss off the virtual crowd <laughs> um um but anyway i'm getting to my opinion on it you know after hearing what you guys said um i'm kind of stuck in the middle on this one on one hand i'm thinking okay listen, we need to get back to life. And, but on the other hand, you know, you also got to think about, okay, we got to do this safely though, because God forbid, because one of the rules in New York is you got to get a COVID test 72 hours before you go to a game. And you got to present that test when you go in. Because like, listen, it may come out negative, but, you know, I think, a lot can happen in three days because, you know, I've heard stories about people who've been exposed a few days after they've been exposed, they go get tested, they come out negative and they go about their lives. And then like days later, they start showing symptoms. And, you know, that is, that's like one of the things, like I said, stuck in the middle. I'm like, yes, we need to get back to life. And I would love to go back to games. I'd love to go back to Yankee stadium or MetLife or the garden, but you also, but you know, I think what I said about, you know, like that could have been in that person who presented that test could have been in that period where they've been exposed. They're not showing symptoms. They tested negative and it could be, they could be at that point where they're contagious because they're not showing symptoms yet. And I don't know what you guys think, but I think that is a valid concern. And- I mean, I mean, certainly when it when it comes to the whole being able to spread without feeling the symptoms yet, like that that, that that's always been the scary part about this virus. But you know, and of course, you know, you have to, of course, when when it comes to this this thing with you, uh, Daniel, the the fact that families are involved in this, like you know, it, it's a safety measure you have to really think about too. Of course, and it's important to realize everyone has different level of comfort. We want to make sure everyone who participates from our programming has a great, enjoyable experience. If a fan doesn't feel safe at this point, we'd be willing to work with them at a date later in the future. In life, you have to take a risk and you have to understand that things can happen and not everything is always perfect. If you're not willing to go to a game just yet, you can watch on TV or you can go to a game 
later next year when you feel safe going. So it's a personal choice that people have to make. I agree. I agree. I think maybe people people should just come to the ballpark when they're comfortable and they feel, you know what, If listen, I just want to say to fans, if you don't feel comfortable going to Yankees, Mets, or whatever team you root for, if you don't feel comfortable going this year, it's fine. When you feel comfortable going, go. Fair enough. Now, um, uh, I know that uh, on your website, you have like a bar graph on like, you know, the most affordable and least affordable, like sporting events you want to go to um, and stuff. Dick, just going through the process of, you know, trying to find a ticket for a family, you know, not that you have some type of, of money to do that. Like which sport has been the most expensive so far? You know, just by you know, research and all that stuff. We really want to take a family to see the Brooklyn X play. We've gotten a few requests to see James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Mm. The tickets are just too pricey right now. And I understand at 10% capacity, they have to make their money somewhere. But having a starting price point of like $250 a ticket, before you know it, it's over $1,000 for an NBA game. We all know how the NBA is. Kyrie might wake up on the wrong side of the bed or see a ghost and decide he's not playing. Duran hasn't played in two weeks. And <laughs> a regular season game when the stars might not even come out and play. It's hmm. too pricey right now. Or he just jammed a toe and he's like, you know what, I'm out for three games. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Kyrie. So – I like Kyrie. I do. I, Kyrie's a great athlete. He's so charitable. He does so much great work for his community yeah. that doesn't get recognized. Yeah. But he makes a habit of disappearing for two weeks at a time or whatever. And to the idea of spending so much money to go see the next play and not have any guarantee that you'll get to see the first stars is a hard pill to swallow. Can that be frustrating? Because like I know that you know when I want to go to the game, I want to see the big time players. It seems like the NBA has had this habit, not just in Brooklyn, but you know, definitely in LA. You see LeBron do it sometimes. He hasn't done it as often as he did when he was in the Cavs or when he was in Miami. But still, like you, you see habit across the league. You know, Steph Curry did it with. Uh, with the Warriors too, Draymond Green, you know, all those players. Like, like I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on it? Like, the resting phase, like, something that you don't really see with New York Knicks, just saying. I don't expect anyone to play all 82 games or even this year all 72 games. Yeah, that's fair. It's important for someone to stay healthy for the playoffs. There should be something to be said about the fans at go just to see that player. I don't know what the line is. Maybe if the player sticks out that app, sticks out that game, and it's not due to a legitimate injury, you give everyone in the crowd a free ice cream. I don't know what it is, but you have to do something to just make it right by those people. Who do you see being like the most requested team as we go forward? Most requested team as we go forward through the foreseeable future, probably the Brooklyn Nets, just because the NBA is a star-driven league. 
but as baseball season picks up, Met fans are pretty loyal. They're all excited to see Frankie Lindor. So that could be an option moving forward. Mm. Football season is always popular because there's only eight games and a lot of people have never been to an NFL game. So as long as the Giants and Jets aren't their normal selves this upcoming year, we'll see a lot of people who want to make the trip to MetLife Stadium. Dan, you got you got a team to go to the Knicks so far, which is great. Um, all I got to say is keep up the good work, man. Thank you. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, people might be curious to – learn more about the organization just uh, tell them where they can go just to see everything you can go to familyballparkmemories.org and on our website it links to our facebook our instagram and our twitter account which will start being a little more active on in the next few weeks there you go daniel aarons everybody thank you for joining us uh i know it's a uh it, it, you're very busy we appreciate you taking this time to really talk about a good thing that you're doing here and, and again i i think everyone here agrees with me that what you're doing is tremendous and you know you're given a lot of opportunities you know i i can be the one to say that i didn't really get a lot of opportunities to go to games as a kid for basically the same reasons as families you're targeting but it's really cool that there's finally an organization that's willing to help that out Daniel Aarons, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us.